My very first youth group experience was a church lock-in. My first girlfriend ever, my freshman year of high school, invited me to a church lock-in where there was going to be cosmic bowling. I was so excited, but I wasn't a church kid, so I didn't grow up in the church, and I didn't know anybody. The only person I knew was her. So I'm amped up. We're going to spend this night in the cosmic bowling alley. I'm so fired up. We're bowling, and she's hanging out with her friends, and suddenly they all go to the bathroom together. And they come back and she dumps me right there on the lane. I was crushed, but I was also alone and I didn't know what to do. So I'm just sad cosmic bowling while Michael W. Smith's place in this world is blaring behind me. Looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find my place in this world. Damn, I'm glad I didn't make it. Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group. Welcome to season four. We're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group, find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We have a map. My name is Jonathan Caron, and we're joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Season four underway. We already completed the first trilogy. Now this is going to be like the sequel trilogy. Hopefully it's better than other sequel trilogies that have uh, recently been released. But it's like Ted Lasso. We thought we'd do three and we ended up doing more. So hopefully they do more as well. That's right. Uh, so if you, I mean, if you clicked on today, you saw what the topic was and asking the question is youth group even good is probably a weird question for a podcast about unlearning youth group to ask four sure. seasons in, we probably should have asked this in season one, but I mean, at least we're getting to it now. Yeah, well, but at the same time, have you ever gotten to a point, whether it's at work or, you know, whether it's your family, where you get you get so far along somewhere and you're going, wait a minute, what are we even doing here? And you kind of stop and you have to reevaluate. So I think we're kind of at that point where we've we've gone a little ways and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what the heck are we even doing right now? And so I think it's a it's a, you know, good, good gut check time. Yeah. So this topic, strangely enough, um, it came from TikTok because. Mm -hmm there was a surprising amount of questions or comments over during season three of people talking about youth group, saying negative things about youth group. And so I, I began asking the question, is youth group even good? Uh, and before we go further, I just want to, while we're on the topic of TikTok, our show grew by over 500% in season three. And most of it came from TikTok users checking out the show. So if you're here from TikTok, Thank you so much for giving us a shot based off of one minute clips that I post on the internet. So we go. that really does mean a lot. I really appreciate it. But one person, I remember a comment saying that youth group does nothing but water down the gospel to kids to get them into religion. Mm. Another creator made a great video. I thought where um, I'd actually seen it. Then Eric sent it to me like last week. Uh, he said, these two things can be true. Ministry to the youth is vital and youth ministry is not. A lot mm. of churches pride themselves on having a youth service once a year where the youth lead the service. Well, the question is, why are the youth not necessary the other 51 weeks of the year? Well, which my, my response to that, I don't know if you saw it. My response to that is, when is the lead pastor going to take a vacation 
if you know and the and the primary worship leader when are they going to go on vacation if they don't <laughs> let the youth run the service we know our role right um, that seems to be that's it that's like hey this is our our you know we're taking the family to disney so get the youth pastor youth up there pastor, and, youth pastor preaches sundays memorial day the sunday after july 4th mm-hmm, labor day weekend labor day. and the sunday after thanksgiving yep. and after christmas Yep. Oh yeah. So, that week, that, that dead week between uh, Christmas and the beginning of the year. Ugh. Gross. The, the Sabbath Sunday that so many churches have gone to recently. That, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We want to rail against church online until it comes to uh, the, the week after the Christmas. week after Christmas. Uh, so that's what we're going to kick off this season talking about is youth group even needed? Is it good? Where did we go wrong with youth group? What were the good intentions from youth group? And where do we go from here? Before we get into that, though, this could be terrible. I could cut this. But did you know that Jesus was the original youth pastor? Why is that? Okay, here's the proof. Most of the people he led were teenagers. Okay. Peter was that one young adult leader who's eager to serve but always said stupid stuff. Been there. Food was integral to their ministry. That tracks. They went on constant short-term mission trips. <laughs> okay. And he left after three years for a better job. <laughs> and he old, he almost went left. Uh, he almost he almost let one of his uh, one of his followers drown. You know, like I think that's oh, there's that <laughs> there's that. I think there's all kinds of dangerous situations. Or if they if there would have been, I don't know what the what the Aramaic equivalent to dodgeball would have been. But if they said that word, if that's located anywhere, I'm looking it up in Blue Letter Bible right now just to see. Oh, gosh. Oh, that so bad, but I think I'm going to keep it in just because, I mean. I think you need to. And, and here's what, the deal. What's I'm, a podcast about a, a bad dad joke? It's, it's, All right. it's great. Here, let me, let me say this. Before we get into it, because I know that you've got some strong thoughts on it, I want to just pause because everybody listening to this is going to go, oh, is this going to be another, you know, just dump on something about Christianity? If this is your first listen, to our podcast, that's not what we're here to do. And especially for youth group, we're not here to just wholesale throw things out. So with that being said, Jonathan, what is your off-the-cuff answer to whether or not youth group is uh, is good or not? Well, I have a master's degree in student ministry. So Bias. obviously, I think youth group is needed and good. Mm-hmm. I think uh, teaching the Bible to students, to teenagers on their level uh, using examples and and um, specific things that they are going through is needed. It's how we make the Bible understandable at their level. So I'm 100% in favor of the idea of youth group. Mm-hmm. And But with that said, like anything else, like everything we do on this show, there were bad things that have happened. There are plenty of things in American church culture that start off with good intentions and end up with bad results. And so that's what this entire show is about. It's about finding the good and unlearning the bad. So some of the comments we've gotten about the show is like, why is, why do you got to bash the church, man? Why is everything got to be so negative? And that's not our goal. Right. Our goal is to, to really take an honest look at those negative things so we can do better. And we know our audience is a combination of probably three groups. It's current ministry leaders, current youth pastors. Yep. Uh, it is people who have been hurt and, and thought about walking away from the church who are dealing with some 
some bad church experiences, but they don't want to throw away Jesus in the process. And so they're, right. they're interested. And it's people who have worked through that and are trying to do better. So there's, it's yeah. all three like levels of this. And so I, we, that's what we want to talk about to find the good unlearn the bad and figure out where we go from here. Yeah. And I think when we get that feedback or if anybody is there and if your gut reaction is like, Oh, why, why are you bashing the church? In the same way as what we're asking the question, is youth group even good? I think what we have to do is define what some of those terms mean in general, because we say bashing the church. No, that's definitely not what we're doing. Are there aspects of how we have started to, um, how we have started to execute ministry that are bad? Are there aspects of Christianity and the sinful people involved that are bad? Do we need to reevaluate some of these things that maybe had good intentions, but were executed in a poor way? Yes. So all about that, if you go back and listen to previous episodes, if you're going to stick with us for the rest of the season, that's the heart behind our show. And then specifically to this topic, which I know we're going to get into the next section in just a second, but specifically to this topic, I think it's important because you, you know, you said it yourself, you've got a master's degree in student ministry is youth group, you know, is youth group or youth ministry good. And I think part of what we're going to do today is we have to define what that means. Um, because if your version of youth group may be good, but my version may not be, or someone else's version may not be as well. So I think it's important that we don't just assume we understand and we're talking about the same types of things as we go through some of these topics. So we know, I don't want to dive into the, all the good things that youth group has done. Um, I want to acknowledge that youth group it, it introduces people to Jesus. It, it disciples teenagers. There are so many good things that it does. And so me shrugging that off to get into the other stuff is not me throwing that aside and not acknowledging that. So I do want to like us jumping into the, what was bad about youth group so that we can keep this conversation going. We only try to keep you guys around for about 30 minutes or so. And so we want to respect your time. So we're going into this with the assumption that yes, youth group is good. Yes, there are good things about it. How do we make it better and how do we make it healthier? So, Eric, with that assumption in mind, what are some bad things about the way the American church has approached youth group in the last 10 to 20 years? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, these are some thoughts that I was kind of gathering too. But um, in the last 10 to 20 years, you know, obviously we've seen like a seeker sensitive movement that has, has moved in the church. And that's probably maybe even 30, 40 plus that's years, 30, right? 35, yeah. You know, exactly. But that has trickled down into youth culture. And I think even if we were to talk about like what's good and what's bad about the seeker movement, which is a, probably another topic for another day, that from the youth groups that I've seen, student ministries that I've been a part of, that has been a prevailing issue of if it's not done the right way, it becomes negative. And so it becomes something where it's it's just, uh, I mean, I put it in our notes, it's an arms race of big events and bad decisions, at least, at least was my, my experience, where it was what youth group can do the biggest bang up thing, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna do the hot sauce challenge, we're gonna do the put all of the Thanksgiving meal in a blender and then money on a camel at a Christmas party for no reason other than we wanted to say we had a camel at a Christmas party. Exactly. Like one time we rented out a, uh, uh, there, there used to be this thing in a, in a town that I used to live in where, um, every five or six years, somebody would buy up a nightclub and turn it into an 18 and under nightclub that doesn't serve alcohol, doesn't serve anything like that, but they made mixed drinks, quote unquote, I'm doing the 
little finger quotes if you can't see, mixed drinks with Monster Energy Drink and Red Bull as the alcohol mixers. And so our, our student ministry rented out that facility to do a youth event there. And it was like always just trying to do the biggest thing. Who has the biggest bounce houses? Whose youth camp can do whatever? You know, you're bringing in bands and, you know, another, another church that I worked for brought in Andy Minio for their summer deal and, you know, for a one night concert deal. So it just becomes, if we're not careful, a focus on hype, so to speak, and uh, downplaying the substance. And that leads to one of the topics we're actually going to cover this season. Youth group, the pendulum usually swung one direction or the other. It was either all the way over into this grace-based, um, I'd say almost a young life model. If, if we're, right. we're going to go that right. way, yep. the young life model of like, and, and let me preface, I like young life. I think yep. young life has its place. Has its place, in, right? In the overall church of um, of Jesus, it, it's a parachurch ministry. It does great things. Hey, Blaine, if you're listening to this, I love you, buddy. You're doing mm-hmm. good things in Houston. But so you either have the, the pendulum to where it's all like, dude, Jesus loves you no matter what. We're right. trying to grace base to get as many kids into this room as possible. Yeah. And I mean, you even hear it like, we're just glad you're here. And that's a great mentality to have. But it's like, if that's all that rules your entire mindset, we're glad, we're just glad you're here. I'd rather you be here than, you know, oh, we'd rather have our youth on our, at our Wednesday night gathering, then wherever else they could be, right? Like those are all great things to keep in mind. But if that becomes the entire foundation of why you're running ministry, I think there's something lacking there. And then it swings to the other side. Yeah, go ahead. And it swings the other side to where it's all behavior modification. And as long as our students aren't screwing around or getting drunk on the weekends, then we're good to go. If they're not cussing, drinking, smoking, then everything's good because the behavior, the acting right is the most important. It's it's the whitewashed tombs, uh, you know, outside of the cup mentality. As long as they show it on the outside, then we're good. And so both of those lead to places in your thirties and forties or twenties where you have an incomplete view of the gospel that has some really unhealthy things around it that you have to unlearn or deconstruct Mm -hmm. or work through because eventually things are going to hit the fan and that whole wall is going to start crumbling and falling down. If you don't have a real relationship with Jesus, that's based on both the grace of salvation and the renewal of your mind of sanctification. Yeah. And that's theologically from that spot. And then think about how we do it um, from an area of programming where I think the pendulum is is in the similar spot where it's either like I talked about, it's that arms race of big, big events, which ends up leading to bad decisions. It's either that where it's like how many Xboxes and Playstations. Oh, man, I remember when we got Halo, like the first Halo on, on <laughs> Xbox in the student ministry and parents were upset, upset about it. But the justification was. We have these games because we want to bring kids in. We want to make it invitational. So that invitational mindset, the other pendulum swings, you know, and that invitational mindset leads. I saw a TikTok where they were like talking about making fun of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, what about discipleship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put that on the list. But like that we'll invitational mindset. Yeah. That video was hilarious. And then the other side is these other youth groups that do none of that invitational stuff. And honestly, 
it's boring Bible study. And it's like, so you have the pendulum of kids want to be there. Well, at least we try to make it so that kids want to be there, but they don't get a lot of discipleship substance or it's heavy on the theology and it's heavy on um, the Bible study, but you're just sitting there with like the three homeschooled kids and the pastor's kid in the, you know, in the youth group and nobody wants to invite their friends. And let's be honest, that tension is hard. Yes. If it was easy, we wouldn't get it wrong so much. Mm -hmm. So if you are one of the youth pastors, the youth leaders who are, you're currently in that role and you're listening to this, I, there is no judgment and there is no condemnation to you guys. You have the hardest job in ministry right now. And getting that tension correct is ridiculously hard. Yep. Another piece that I think we run into is the post-youth group transition. Yes. So you you have a you have a couple things here. There are I'm not against very many things. I can kind of understand most things. One of the things I am absolutely against is youth group on Sunday mornings okay. to where your middle school and high schoolers are not sitting in the main church on Sunday mornings. I am a hundred percent against that. And I, can Question you imagine though, going? Can I, go I'm going to, I'm going to ask, this is what I, this was the tension that we dealt with. What if your Sunday service is not, uh, is not something that is either geared for youth have youth in mind or would be something like, what if it's, what if it's boring and youth don't want to be there on the Sunday, which makes it harder for parents to get their teenage kids into in the church. on Sunday. I mean, I get that, but I can't imagine being 18 years old and never having once sat through a service with adults mm -hmm. at some point, like I'm 35 and I apologize to everyone on ch my church staff who's listening to this because I know they listen to this, but there are some weeks at 35 that church is still boring, mm -hmm. but it's a spiritual principle that we go and we gather with the other group, with the other believers as a group and uh, like promo alert next week, the question, this episode we're doing is, do we even have to go to church? Sure. So we're, we're going to talk more about this idea of what going to church looks like in 2022 and beyond. But I can't imagine being 12 in sixth grade to 18 as a senior in high school and never sitting in a room with people who are older than me, people who are adults. Yep. And I don't think that sets us well for a lifelong relationship with Jesus as a part of the church. So, I agree. And I think that, that's why that tension exists, though, is because there isn't a really, to me, there isn't a perfect answer. Um, or you really have to think about it holistically because I've sat in planning meetings with senior pastors, with executive teams in multiple different mega churches and, and non mega churches. And the issue is like, man, when you want to try and program something on Sunday that's going to appeal to your, let's be honest, 50, 60 year old donors, uh, right? But also appeal to someone who's 13 and using words like bestie and, you know, all this other kind of stuff that becomes difficult. And so we throw in this youth thing on Sunday to make it someplace where they want to go. Cause you've also got parents who are like, well, I can't bring my teenage. It's, it's tooth and nail try to, you know, trying to drag them to church. So I think the I also think we don't give teenagers enough credit. Maybe they're smarter I, and can pick up more than we give them credit for. 
I'm not saying about smarter. I'm just saying the enjoyment factor of like if you're if if your main worship service does not it, it's also just impossible to try and appeal to a 13 year old and a 70 year old and every single person in between. And so that those of you um, can't see me, but I'm nodding my head vigorously yeah, right now. That, so so it's like. I agree with you on that where like in a perfect world, man, there shouldn't be youth, you know, there shouldn't be a 13 to 18 year old, or at some point we need to solve the problem. How do you integrate your junior high and high school students into your main worship service so that it doesn't become like once they turn 18, we either, here's what happens. We either expect them to go off to college and they're not our problem until they move back home or they get married or now they step well, foot at that into point they have a pill addiction or they're alcoholics. Sure. Right. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then they step foot into our main worship service and they go, oh, this is boring. I don't identify with this. It's not as cool as our youth group. It's not as much fun. And now there's that same level of like dysphoria over, oh, man, I don't know what to do here. And so you, you really don't serve them well anyway. So I'm just pushing back to say, I don't think there's a great answer. I agree with you. I just don't know that there's a great answer. And I'm hoping that the youth, you know, the youth leaders and the church leaders listening to this would go, yeah, we don't know the answer either, but I think we need to dig down and not not just respond with, oh, well, we have to have youth group on Sunday because it's the only way that we can keep uh, um, kids coming coming to church, or we're not going to have youth group on Sunday because they need to be disciplined and listened. And you know, it, it's not a it's not a black or white easy answer is what is what I'm yeah. what I'm trying to say. And you're highlighting the good intentions mm-hmm. that are behind some of these bad approaches because, I mean. We, you and I both default to more of a larger church yes. model because that's our backgrounds. Yep. But in a church where it's a, it's 150 people, the mm-hmm. average church in America is, is relatively small when it is 150 people and your, your main audience is blue hairs who have been doing the same thing since 1992. They say they value the youth. And that, that's their word. They call them the youth. We value the youth, right. but they don't want to change their ways either. So as the youth leader, what the heck do you do? Okay, well, let's let's create programming on Sunday morning. I get it. I get the desire. I don't think it's a good approach. And I wish you guys could see my face and the, and the stress <laughs> and the tension on it because I get, I understand where it comes from. I understand doing that thing on Sunday morning instead of, being a part of the Sunday morning gathering. I just, I just know long-term it's not good. Yeah, I agree too. And it's like, it feels like a natural extension from, so, so here's the other thing. If you're, if you're in a church of 150 or a smaller church, chances are you probably have a nursery where someone is taking care of babies. And then you may not even have a youth group. You may even have a, a children's message in the middle of the service, you know, things like that. So, some people are even foreign to this concept in general because they're sitting here going, uh, you know, it's the mindset which God love you for having this mindset, people. But it's like, oh, a crying baby in the service or a fussy child is the sign of a growing church, you know, and it's like, yes, yes, I get it. Also, me with ADD uh, and, you know, I don't want to sit through that as well. Sorry if that's a bummer for you. But there are plenty of churches that they are like, that's their mentality is we don't even have, we don't even have, you know, youth or kids ministry. But then the first thing they usually gain is nursery and then kids ministry. And then it feels like a natural extension 
well, why don't we do the same thing? Because all of a sudden it's like fourth and fifth graders. I know we're getting out of our youth ministry side, but fourth and fifth graders don't like the kids ministry anymore. So now we need to do a 45 ministry. Sixth graders aren't junior high or aren't middle school in some cases. So now we need a 56 ministry. And then it just extends and balloons from there because we start making allowances. And because the line to draw is not clear, because is it like, can my third grader handle sitting through a big church? Maybe. Can my fourth grader who's on the autism spectrum? No. You know, like it's just, so at what point do we make it easy for families to be able to attend church in the most worshipful environment possible? And at what point do we start restricting the discipleship and the communal building of the overall ecclesia church for our teens? It's just such a, such a tough thing right there. So if you're, if you're in ministry, send us an email and let us know how you figured this out because I, I don't have a great answer. Hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. Um, <laughs> let's be yeah, honest. The inbox is going to be empty. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest with this one as well, though. For pastors, for teachers, for parents, for people in general, in the words of the great poet Gerard Way, Teenagers scare the living stuff out of me. No, I don't want the E next to the podcast where I have to mark it explicit. Yeah, right, right, Uh, right, exactly. Hey, by the way, uh, episode two of season one, Frick You, Frickin' Frick, all about Christian cuss words. So if you want want to go back in the archives, uh, you can hear us talking about cuss words. But uh, I mean, that's a song from the band My My Chemical Romance where, I mean, it's teenagers scare the living crap out of me. And let's be honest, that's where a lot of us are. We don't know how to deal with teenagers. And for some odd reason, we can be confident adults, but teen, but a 16 year old or a, like a 16 year old girl or 14 year old boy just mm-hmm. scared the crap out of us. And we don't yeah. want to deal with it and we don't know how to deal with it. So we go put them in a corner in a different room and have someone who likes them more than us deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, middle school, especially you put me in the room with, a sixth, seventh, or eighth grader. It's just not, that's not happening. Now, my wife is a middle school teacher, so she loves them. Those are the type of people that she loves. And there are people out there that you are, uh, you know, freakish unicorns that, you know, burp rainbows and fart confettis. And like, you are God's gift to that group. But I I would agree with you. I would say in general, uh, if you were to bring a baby into uh, a room versus like three or four teenagers, most people would go, oh, baby all day, right? Like, give me the baby. Absolutely. Okay. We could live in this world for a while, but where do we go from here? We all, if you're new with us, we always end every single episode. Where do we go from here? We want to not just point out problems. We want to try to find solutions as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I want, sometimes I'll defer to you. I'm going to answer this one first because I think you this is, it. this is really where my heart's at for teenagers. I think we have to integrate teenagers into the church at large. They have to know they're just as valued and needed as their parents. They can hold a door open as a greeter. They can be on a tech team and run pro presenter or run lights or run a camera. Some of them even can be on the worship team. The church I was on staff at, the best guitar player, best drummer, and best bassist in the church were all in the same high school class. Uh, they Those three dudes were incredible, and they started out in the, the high school band, and 
thankfully we had a worship pastor who was super open to integrating teenagers into the band because we ended up having four to six teenage like high school students on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. helping lead worship for the entire church. And I cannot tell you how encouraging it is to see a 16 year old on stage with a 45 year old also on stage mm-hmm. leading the church in worship together. Or in and bigger so, in bigger productions, running a camera or lights yeah. or uh, you know, backstage manager type of things serving in that capacity. And so not only is that edifying for the church to mm-hmm. see people of different ages and generations on stage or even behind the scenes working together, but pretty much every serving capacity in the church has a built in 45 minute to an hour time where you're just sitting around talking to the people you're serving with. And so that allows teenagers and students to develop relationships with other believers who are not their parents or who are not their youth leaders. And so they have yet another Christian influence in their life who is able to speak into them, who gets to know them, who has a shared value, a shared experience, a shared um, hobby Mm -hmm. with them. Because I may not be into the same stuff my kid is. But if there's someone who is trusted at my church who is, who can talk to them about that, and that's so good. That's so healthy. And so I think one of the biggest ways we can do that is integrate teenagers into the church at large. And if you're a parent, try to get your kids involved. Don't push them. Don't force them. Don't make Mm -hmm. them do these things because that has its own issues. But if they're showing an interest in something, try to find a way to get them involved with it. My, my daughter's six and she's already asking how she can help with the babies on Sunday morning. Yeah. And our rules are you got to be in fourth grade to be able to help with the pre-K and you've got to be in middle school to be able to help with the older elementary school. So when the time comes that she gets there, she's already asking how she can do that because it's how she's wired. And I'm going to send her into that as soon as possible because I think it's so healthy to do. Yeah. And I think you've heard that old adage of like more, you learn more, uh, more gets caught than taught. Right. So just think about the pure numbers of like, okay, so you integrate everybody into the same worship service. And I go and I sit there for a 60 minute, hopefully only 60, 60 to 90 minute, right. Service, depending on your church and what you do. Now, if that same student is serving, not, you know, they're probably attending the message, but also there, I mean, I've been in green rooms. I've been in, you know, serving capacities with bands and with production teams. You have rehearsals, other things like that. You have time between services. If you have multiple services, you, like you said, you are shoulder to shoulder with people of different ages and stages um, that you can, you know, catch. The data shows more relationships are built on serving teams than in small groups. Exactly. And so, I mean, think about it. Like after you're done, you know, most of the churches I've ever served or attended the last service ends right around lunchtime, you know, or just after. And so guess what we're doing afterwards? Hey, you guys want to go hit up lunch? Now you've taken that service time and now you're, you're sharing meals together. You know, you're, uh, if you have rehearsals, like we used to have midweek rehearsals, it's like you come in on a Wednesday or a Thursday to rehearse and there's time spent around there and devotional time there as well. So I think just like we were talking about in the very beginning, if we're going to bookend this episode, we have to define terms. We have to, you know, go after that. There may not be a, a perfect method, but the the basis behind that method is where do we go from here? We need to find ways, like you said, to integrate those sixth through twelfth graders 
into weekly service, serving teams, attending, those sorts of things. The other thing is we need to also um, give them room to express where they're going through on their level. So there are doubts and questions that I had as a 6th through 12th grader that I do not have as a 38-year-old. And so we need to be able to allow them space to process through some of those things without us old people coming in and going, oh, yeah, 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 get over it. It's not a big deal. You know, relationship. Right. Or, or even like relationship issues. Hey, I'm struggling with a boyfriend or girlfriend. And at 38, I want to look back and go, oh, you mean your seventh grade girlfriend? Not a big deal. Just get over <laughs> it, dude. Like, it's not that serious anyway. But for them, it's their entire world right now. And how can you speak love and grace and truth into that when their friends are saying, hey, in order to be a part of our friend group, you need to look and act and do like this. And as the church, if we're only going to jump in and go like, oh, you need to be in the world, but not of the world. Like, and we don't step into that and see how difficult it is for them to not do some of the things that are going to make them like, we need to make, make room for that. And then beyond that, I, I think, you know, you've got more insight on this too, but leave room for the things that they have doubts about. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it in the deconstruction episodes last season, but the single biggest reason uh, students leave church after high school is because there's no place for their doubts. So we have to create room for that. And that always can't happen in a youth group service. Sometimes it can't even happen in a in a small group of um, 11th grade boys or whatever. So that's why creating these spaces in church, like you may have your doubts, but if you're a guitar player, you may relate more to the worship pastor than you do your youth pastor. And so you're having conversations with worship leader about these doubts in a way that you don't have it with youth pastor guy. So creating those spaces and creating a culture to where it's okay to ask those questions. If we want to think long-term, how do we keep students in the church as they get older into their twenties and college years and early twenties, mid twenties, They've got to have rooms to know, room to know that their doubts are welcomed and their doubts are okay. And I think one of the things that um, that helps with that, and you've already talked about it, is pairing them with someone that's not their parent. And I think that's so yes. important. And what I heard, I don't even remember where it was, probably at a Catalyst conference for those of you that are in the church world. I heard Andy Stanley talk about that one time where he was talking about the interaction that his boys were now now adults, but when they were in high school, and he said uh, that that he found something out about one of his sons and he approached his son about it. And he said, are you going to talk to me about this? What are we going to, and, and his son said, no, I don't really feel comfortable with that. And he said, are you talking to someone about it? And he said, yes. And he goes, okay, who? And Andy Stanley said, as soon as the, the name came out, came out of his son's mouth, which was obviously someone at church, he said, okay, I feel better about that now. And I think as a, as an adult, as a parent, one, knowing that, there are other people that my kids can talk to, even if they're not me. Now, parents, some of you need to hear this. That is difficult, but it is necessary to be able to let go of that control. But second, that only happens if we are pairing um, students in intentional relationships with caring, Jesus-loving adults that can help give them uh, good advice and leave room for their doubts, for those conversations, for the things that they don't feel like for whatever reason that they can process with their parents. And that leads into next week. Next week is kind of a part two of this week asking, do we even need to be a part of a church anymore in 2022? Is online church okay? Do we have to go to church? What should we be doing as church? And 
a little tease on that. In our culture, in the English language, we translate things in the Bible into the word you, where in English, you can be singular or plural. And we misread a lot of scripture and a lot of what the Bible says about the gathering of believers as personal singular you when the original language was meant as plural you. So what does that look like? How does that apply to us today as believers and the church at large? That's what we're going to talk about next week. So if you want that, go ahead and subscribe to the show, rate us and review us wherever you listen, share it with a friend if uh, this helped you. I'm at Jonathan underscore Corone on TikTok. Eric, you are you made you at, made a personal account this year now. So I have a personal account, yeah, because I do things on TikTok at Business Coach Eric, which is for marketing and business and business stuff. But my personal account is at Eric W712. And we're going to be, you've probably already seen it, but there's there's going to be more content to interact with everybody with the uh, with the show related. So if you're part of that that group that Jonathan was talking about earlier that listens to us, that's kind of in a whether you would call yourself deconstruction mode or not, and in a, do I need to go to church now or not? And in a, how do I question some of these things? Uh, next week's discussion, I think is going to be um, pretty important for you and uh, for everybody else who's still really in the church, especially if you work for the church, we would love to hear uh, your feedback and input on that as well. So that's it for this week. Hope you all have a great week and we'll talk to you next week.